by the power of Castle Hate Skull, I am Hellamark Harley, and today we have some controversial topics to cover on the Haters Will Say podcast. Will we get into Tom Cruise, SSRIs, antidepressants, depression itself, and the science behind it unfolding before our very eyes? Because this is a podcast not only about fitness, but also about the adjacent topics related to fitness. If fitness is the bottom of the food pyramid, you know, that's such a bad analogy because the food pyramid was debunked, right? Remember, it was like, eat 18 servings of grains every day. Well, it turns out that's not the best advice. Eating four baguettes a day, unless you're French and have that French baguette gene that requires you to eat that many baguettes every day, it's just not a viable solution to long-term health. So let me let me backtrack and say, if if fitness is the ground level, then psychological health is the, the chair that I sit in right now. Can we say that? Mm-hmm. It's supporting me, but underneath that, right, the, the floor is supporting the chair, and the chair is supporting these luscious ass cheeks. Which I can see, because you're wearing the new thick boy right, shorts. Right, yeah, if you, didn't, if you just want to take a little peek, right now what's going on here, they're so short that you can, uh-huh, and they're swim trunks, but they don't feel stiff like swim trunks, all right? They feel... Like something you could work out in. However, yes, there are webbing. Uh, there's webbing around my balls right now. I'll just say that, okay? It's a hybrid. So it keeps those it keeps those plums nice and safe, but also keeps those thighs moving freely. Worked out in them yesterday. Felt great. Testes felt supported. What's left of them? Now, I wanted to start off today with a lot of people have been asking me. Before we even get to sup fool, because so many people have been asking me things, and then I get to backtrack and say, whoa, 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 let's cover this because an ounce of uh, a lot of people been asking me can cure a pound of annoying DMs. No, you're not annoying me, but you know what? People do ask questions, and sometimes I go, I, I, like, I want to have a longer conversation. I want if you if you message me. Something to the effect of, how do you get in shape? I want you to get in shape. I want everybody to learn, but it's such a complicated, nuanced thing because there's so many ways to, hate to use the analogy, but skin that cat, right? Who skins cats these days? Certainly not me, and I don't even like thinking about it, but there's so many ways to do it, and it's such a wide-ranging conversation that boils down to a few basic principles. Somebody asked me the other day, you know, Seems like a young person. I didn't go too much into it. Let's go to the screenshots right now, okay? I'm going to say this. I posted this to my story. Got a little bit of feedback on it that wasn't so great. Other people thought it was funny, but the guy says, bruh, I've never lifted before. IDK, where to start? Is there a workout plan you suggest for beginners? It's not the most annoying message I've ever received, but it's so broad. And it makes me think, you know, If I was able to find a way to get steroids off the internet delivered to my college dorm room in 2001, how are you not figuring out how to get a workout split in 2022 from YouTube? You have so many more resources. Is that apples and oranges? I don't know. But it makes me think this. I go, have you ever searched lifting program for beginners in YouTube? Uh, I will help you regardless. I just wanted to know how little curiosity you have. Uh. Ah, ba-doom. Now that's... Maybe slightly dickish, but that's kind of how I feel. However, he's framing it like, you know, he came back, I think, and said something to the effect of, um, you know, there's just a lot of information out there, which is true. I just, maybe it's a reflection on me if I get a little frustrated or annoyed. It's because I don't have an easy answer to that. And sometimes when, you know, it's like a parent, 
you know, well, what does that mean? And you're like, enough already. I said, you know, why am I supposed to go to school? Because I said so. You find yourself snapping, right? So last night I was a snapping turtle. Now I posted that to my story and <laughs> I asked out his name so, uh, so as not to shame him. And my little caption was, okay, but first, just how ignorant are you? But it is an important question. It's like, I have to know if you're asking me these uh, things, I have to know, like, how little do you know? Where are we starting? You know, have you ever lifted a weight before? Because more than just a program, it's like, how are you going to implement that program? So that's part of what I cover in the next thing. A guy messages me and says, what's crazy is that guy looks up to you and would rather hear your pointers than YouTube's. Hmm, that could be true. And I feel honored and privileged anytime somebody does come to me and seek me out for whatever reason, right? You're coming to me, you're not coming to somebody else, you're not going to YouTube or any other expert. Although I'm not an expert, I just know some stuff. This makes you look like a dick and IDK, what's the deal with IDK? IDK, if that's your gig or not, you lost a fan here. I'm unsubscribing and unfollowing. I feel like you might not have been a fan if, if that tone is the first thing you've ever seen from me in which I'm using sarcasm uh, or slightly edgy language. I said, well, then you were never a fan to begin with. I have every right to ask someone who's asking for free help on a subject they seemingly have zero desire to investigate on their own, whether or not they actually have zero curiosity. Because that's the difference between someone I can point in the right direction and using their intelligence and curiosity can thrive. And on the other hand, someone who is expecting me to hold their hand spend hours breaking down every bit of advice to simpler more digestible nuggets and who ultimately lacks the drive to do anything substantial alone, right? Because that's always the important factor. You know, are you going to be reliant on someone your entire life? Okay, then hire a trainer, right? Somehow I figured this out on my own and a lot of people I know who are advanced lifters, they had the curiosity, they had the drive and not to judge other people. I know that's gonna be a small percentage of the people who actually have that drive to do it on their own don't need any help or can pick up things by looking and just going to the gym and showing up and that's a different personality type. Maybe you feel a little more insecure. Maybe you, whatever, you're more, you're more hesitant. You're not as extra. Whatever the case may be, whatever those personality factors might be that would lead to you being a little bit more cautious about going to the gym. Because a lot of people I sometimes forget are embarrassed about showing up and not knowing what to do. I don't have that, and it's hard for me to even remember a time that I did, although I'm sure it was the case because you just don't know. I remember other, like, bigger guys at the gym trying to, you know, I remember looking at them and thinking, oh, they must be thinking negatively about me, or even in some cases directly correcting you on certain things and feeling like I don't like that feeling because it feels condescending, and so I try not to do that to other people, like, if it's not solicited help. Um... So, I'm going to help this guy. I'm going to pass on some stuff. I'm going to break it down in simple terms. It's just, you know, uh, I had a guy actually message me the other day, as I mentioned in the last episode, I believe, where I wasn't sure if he was trolling me or not. He sent me, you know, he asked for advice on his deadlift. He sent me a, picture, a video of it. He was deadlifting 225. His back was rounding. I'm like, you need to cut that in half. Send me back, send me a weight that you can do with absolute perfect form. And he did. He sent me a video with 135. I was like, that is amazing. Uh, you look good doing that. Use that form. Keep going up in weight in small increments, 5, 10 pounds, until you can't anymore, right? And that's your limit. And progressively overload from there. Don't be in a rush 
to put on 100 pounds on your deadlift when you're 16 years old in the next few months. But think about it mathematically. If you were to put on two and a half pounds a week, that's 10 pounds a month. That's 120 pounds in a year. So I said you could probably, based on how easily you did that 135, you could probably do 185 pounds right now. And in a year's time, you can do 300 or more for reps if you keep that same form and do it the smart way and take your time and have longevity in mind uh, rather than trying to rush things and blowing out your back in the process. Now, a friend of mine, Diego, Diego Career, probably the only friend um, I've had outside of like meeting some new people recently at Gold's Gym who's a competitive bodybuilder. Diego Courier, my caption on this was Diego Courier may be a complete asshole. That's haters saying that, not me, and an even bigger bully than me, but goddammit if he doesn't know bodybuilding. Sort of an inside joke between us, but his recommendation, and he knows his stuff, he says, I think you're better off doing the following if you're a beginner. Squat, deadlift, pull-up, bench, press, military press, three days per week for the first four to eight weeks. Then an upper body, lower body split, for four to eight weeks, and then after that, an actual efficient split. I like that. I like that as beginner advice because when I look back to my training, now I enjoyed doing a bro split where you do like chest one day or you know chest and biceps, or you chest and biceps, and then back and triceps, and then shoulders uh, and legs or something. You know, I, there was a point when I was like 16 where I was working out six days a week and all the muscles were getting hit like that, and I worked out like that for a few months, and then I remember getting overtrained and kind of being sick because that is a lot. My workouts are long. I'd be doing 30 plus, sets, 30 plus sets per workout. It eventually catches up with you, but I made some good progress in there. Looking back on it, I would focus more of my energy in mastering the basics. And at that point, because you're not that strong, you're getting a lot of stimulus per the fatigue that you're uh, inducing. If you're super strong and you're squatting 500 pounds for reps, you're accumulating a gigantic level of fatigue. Maybe you're hitting, you know, a level of stimulus on the target areas like your quads, for example. Um, there's a certain level of stimulus, obviously, but is that better served perhaps by a deadlift or sorry, a leg extension or a leg press because you can really target the muscle that you're trying to overload without fatiguing and potentially injuring these weak links like your lower back? Or if you have any lingering injuries, you know, like I have a groin injury that's lingering. That could come up when you're doing those heavy compound lifts. However, if you're doing 135, the fatigue that you're accumulating versus the stimulus is in your favor. So you get the additional practice. You get the favorable stimulus to fatigue ratio. You get to get really good at those exercises. And because you're a newbie, right, the average person isn't going to be able to increase their military press you know, if you've been lifting for five or 10 years, that is the slowest compound movement to go up. However, when you're an absolute beginner, you could be going up really fast. So do it three times a week. Do the squat three times a week. Do the deadlift. Do the pull-up and then a weighted pull-up, et cetera. You can actually go up really quickly. And then when that slows down, you accommodate your split uh, in a way that makes sense. Okay? So that's one way to do it. And somebody else just asked me, they actually <laughs> messaged me to be like, Brendan was rude in the food truck diaries. I'm like, oh, interesting. I was there watching it with Chandler. He was like, uh, you know, he came off as really dismissive. I'm like, what are you talking about? But I asked him politely. He's like, oh, interesting. What do you mean? And he was like, oh, uh, about the adoption stuff. And I was like, 
okay, yeah, I guess I'll have to check it out. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, all good. And then he pivoted immediately to, hey, I'm trying to get in shape. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> and I feel like people do that a lot to me, but it's okay. Like, I get it. It's like, okay, hey, now that I have your attention, uh, what do you eat for breakfast? But that would be a much easier question to answer than the question you did hit me with, which is like, I'm getting married in eight months and I want to get in shape. What should I do, essentially? There's so many questions, you know, how much time do you have? How much time do you want to spend in the gym? Uh, what kind of stuff have you done before? What are you good at? What are your injuries? This is the reason that personal trainers, if they're any good, and I'm learning this, it's like, oh God, I, I have to have this ready-made diagnostic form, otherwise we're talking on the phone. But you gotta answer all those questions. So if you decide to message me, I guess this is what I'm really getting at. Give me as much information as possible. It's okay, people get self-conscious about writing me longer messages, but I actually, the more information you give me as far as your workout history, your time restraints, your experience level, that allows me to get really specific right off the bat and spend less time giving you an answer, which incentivizes me to actually give you an answer, right? Because if it's too broad and I have to ask you too many questions and wait for you to get back, you know, there's just more opportunities for the whole thing to unravel. But in that case, if I was looking for an efficient way to get in shape in eight months, I'd do circuits, you know? I'd spend half an hour, three to five times a week doing high intensity circuits. I just think if you're not trying to put on a bunch of muscle, or you're not trying to just lose weight as rapidly as possible, because then it's like, yeah, starve yourself and run marathons. If that's the only objective is to lose weight. But if you want some element of body recomp, you have a real job, do the circuits that I always talk about, such as, uh, you know, take a pair of dumbbells. For me, that might be, you know, let's say 80, 90 pound, 100 pound dumbbells. I'm doing flatter incline dumbbell bench with them. I'm standing up and doing bent over rows with them. I'm doing RDLs. I'm either doing a goblet squat with one um, or lunging with them or taking both on my shoulders, which is pretty hard. You know, that could be hard to balance, and but the weight's still good. You don't have to do that high reps. And then maybe you're taking the weight, laying on a bench and doing like a pullover into a crunch, right? You got to push, you got to pull, you got to hinge, you got to squat, you got an ab, boom. And your heart rate's up, do that for three rounds. Simple formula, repeat that on a barbell, on dumbbells, on machines. Um, Body weight, right? Dips, pull-ups, crunches, uh, jumping squats and lunges, and maybe you'll add in a kettlebell swing, right? It's hard to hinge, uh, overload a hinge motion with your own body weight. But if you have one kettlebell, you can do amazing things with a full body circuit, okay? Does that answer your question? And then that parlays me into something else that I'm going to preview for you guys. Yesterday, we shot some sketches with Zach Holmes. He's in the new Jackass movie, I believe. He was on Chappelle's podcast. We seen each other around the internet. I was familiar with his stuff. Uh, he followed me a couple years back. We have some mutual friends. And uh, you probably have seen him break his ankle on the skateboard. Have you seen that clip mm -hmm. where he like does the tib-fib, mm -hmm. you know, clean break? Oh, God, it's horrifying. But, you know, also very ballsy to then put that out on the internet because I've broken my ankle before and it was like the tiniest fracture and I was screaming like a little girl. At the time, I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. I actually transitioned into a boy shortly after that uh, to leave that former life of whininess uh, upon broken bones behind, but 
I can say I wouldn't want that going viral on the internet is all I'm saying. Though I did break my ankle skateboarding, doing a board slide off something about yay tall. But that's the deal is you can fall off something super low. And if your ankle is at the right angle, it's going to snap. If you're 300 pounds, it's going to snap really hard. So we shot some sketches yesterday, some promos for Thick Boy. And uh, we started texting back and forth. And he was like, hey, man. You know, I want to lose some weight. I want to get healthy again. Uh, he's going to come on the show. I asked him because we started talking. I really wanted to help him because I'm like, yes, you know, typical stuff. It's like, hey, I lost a bunch of weight before. Here's me, my skinniest. I used to do the chicken vegetables only diet, and that really worked. But it's like, what are you going to do? Eat chicken and vegetables for the rest of your life? I think a lot of people don't know how to get out of that mode and into something that's more sustainable and enjoyable and people think you can't even eat sauces right you kind of get obsessive and you know that can be good there's nothing wrong with short-term obsession i think but especially with when it comes to weight loss and there's so much you know there's hormonal activity going on the hunger hormones leptin ghrelin we, we covered before if you're really fat those things might be out of order right if you've been fat for a really long time um that hormone that makes you feel full, leptin, you could be totally desensitized to that, so you just never feel full, right? Because, you know, other people my size, or not my size, probably a little bit smaller, but, you know, you could be muscular and still say, you know, to eat as much as Mark is, I feel like I'm force-feeding myself, and I'm eating something and I still feel hungry, because ultimately it's a hormone leads to a feeling, right? Have a bunch of testosterone, or trend, and you're horny. It's a feeling, you know? It's not making you do anything, but it's giving you this impulse, this impulse to eat, this impulse to uh, fuck your sock with Vaseline in it. <laughs> oh my God, just, just as a crazy example, um, you know, but I talked to Zach uh, about coming on the show because I was like, you know what would be really cool? We agreed to talk about doing a diagnostic, you know, on the phone because that's because I don't have that all written down. It's kind of easy for me to do it this way. And he was like, yeah, you know, that'd be cool. We could do this weekend, and I said, hey, what if you come on the show and we kind of do it, like, on the show? It's going to be vulnerable for him because we're not preparing anything, and I'm going to ask him questions about what are your pitfalls, what's your history, what's the kind of uh, psychology behind what you think your problems are, and figure that out because I think that's so important, is figure out where do you go wrong, but also what are some things that you enjoy? How can we tease out this notion of, like, exercise has to be, painful and punishing and the diet has to be bare bones and stoic and make me hate eating, right? I think that's difficult for obese people because there's so many ingrained patterns and the relationship with food is difficult. I mean, you know, I'm just slightly fat and my relationship with food is difficult. Did I get a lot fatter this weekend? Yes, I did, but that's something that I'm trying to recover from right now, okay? I know this totally tight oak and stone shirt isn't doing me any favors as far as hiding that, but you know what? I'm putting it out there because I'm vulnerable too. So if you would like to see me and Zach talk it out, figure it out, and then maybe do some workouts after that. Some more haters will say training vlogs, drop a, a fuck yeah in the comments, okay? Now, so although Tom Cruise does disapprove of the use of Ritalin SSRIs, and Adderall, he's actually a big proponent of Happy Hippo Kratom and all the other products available at happyhippoherbals.com. And when he buys from happyhippoherbals.com, he makes sure to use Thick Boy 
with three C's as a promo code to get 20% off. And you're probably thinking, Mark, Tom Cruise is a millionaire. Why would he use any sort of promo code? Well, the truth is, a good deal is a good deal. And how and, do you think he stays a millionaire? Right. You know what it's, I mean? Yeah, exactly. He, he's cutting down on his Starbucks. He only gets one latte a day. He used to do two. Mm-hmm. Um, avocado toast only twice a month. And he uses the promo code ThickBoy at HappyHippoHerbals.com. He's rich. He's not stupid. And once again, I'm here to combat the persistent rumors that Oak and Stone just makes luxurious clothing for people who are going out on a first date and trying to make an amazing impression uh, on the opposite sex, in this case, a hot girl who's going to be very impressed by the fact that you're wearing a nice Oak and Stone shirt. There's a rumor going around that just won't die that, Mark, that's great and all, but like, what about day-to-day stuff? What if you're just in athletic shorts with a dope-ass backwards hat? You can't possibly pair Oak and Stone with that combo, can you? Well, the fact is you can, and I'm proving that right now because I've got an Oak and Stone shirt on, I've got a backwards cap, no cap, and also I've got the thick boy shorts on, hugging the old thighs, looking great. It's a fresh summer look, whether you're 16 years old or 19 like me, it's all the same. You're going to look cool. You're going to look fresh. You're going to impress the ladies at the pool party that's coming up uh, this weekend. So be there or be square. You're going to look great in Oak and Stone. And that's fair. I wanted to also talk about something that I thought was interesting. I don't know how much you guys are involved in the world of fitness drama. But in this section called Hella Fitness Drama, we are going to talk a little bit about Something that happened recently because there's a deeper point. Big boy, strength cartel. This is a dude who's a big player in the fitness game. Supplements. He's got uh, merch. He's got. <laughs> he's also an accomplished powerlifter. He's uh, a big tatted. He's got like one of the widest frames I've ever seen. Like he's just a gigantic dude. He says he's 270, but my guess would be he's more like 300 pounds at 5'10", 5'11". And actually, there was a funny video of Eric Konevsky going up to him at the recent uh, fitness convention and asking him, have you seen these videos where Eric Konevsky goes up to bodybuilders? He's like, how much you weigh in these days? And they're like, oh, about 260. And he's like, here's a scale. Step on it. (laughs) Or, or, you know, like, uh, you'll go up to a a bodybuilder and like, how tall are you? And they're like, 5'9". And he's like, can we measure you? (laughs) Which is like, it's funny, but it's also disrespectful. So he had this uh, confrontation with Big Boy, and Big Boy's friendly at first, and Eric Konevsky just kept putting, now Eric Konevsky's a pretty big dude, you know, probably in the high 200s himself, very muscular, and he's he's an amazing troll. I don't think he's scared of Big Boy. You know, Big Boy's very big, very athletic. He can do some pretty incredible things as far as lifting, but also like can do like 360 kickflips and shit. Like it's, you know, he moves like a much smaller guy. So he's dangerous, obviously, but Eric Konevsky was like in his face, and these he just kept pressing he's like you know he's like oh i'm 270 i'm 5'11 he's like can we measure he's like no i'm good man i just want to keep it respectful and he goes what did i say it was disrespectful he's like nothing i just you know but like they kept kind of going back and forth on that stalemate now i'm kind of with big boy in this where it's like you know you don't have the right to like clap your hands and make me jump on a scale i don't care because it's not a sensitive issue for me but if it was at all or if i had any sort of prior relationship, even just with Eric Konevsky content, you know, because he is a troll and tries to make fools out of people in a somewhat lighthearted way. He also does this, like, to catch a predator stuff, which is pretty, you know, 
I guess it's a, a good service to humanity. It also makes for some pretty good content. But, uh, you know, I think there's both sides of the argument where if you're going to make a claim and you're at a fitness expo, it might be a little bit normal. And I wouldn't mind doing it because I think it's fun. Because I'd be like, I, you know, my guess is I'm, what, 250? Let's actually see. My guess is I'm 6'3". Who knows? Maybe I'm 7 feet tall. I just I tend to undersell that because I don't want the NBA thinking I'm 7 feet tall because uh, people over 7 feet tall have shorter careers. So there's that. And it's yeah. just financially, it's a better decision for me to say that. So... There was a guy, Joey Stacks, and <laughs> the most roundabout way to ever say this. Joey Stacks was in the strength cartel and came out and had a number of accusations against Big Boy. He was being underpaid. He was being disrespectful. Like, he was talking shit about all the people in the strength cartel behind his back and just basically calling this guy a liar, a fraud. He, his merch is cheap. He underpays people. He lies to people. Uh, there's this story about big boy robbing Rich Piana back in the day. Um, and it starts off with Joey Stagg saying, oh yeah, we first met at this fitness convention and started talking about going to prison. They both went to prison when they were younger. And Joey Stagg was like, oh yeah, I was in prison for a total of six years, three years on, and they got caught, went back for three years. And big boy goes, oh yeah, I was in for eight. And it turns out he was actually in there for three. And he's like, this was the start of me realizing that he has to one-up everybody. And lie about stupid things. And that's an interesting psychological phenomenon in and of itself. People who one up and just can't like let something go where it's like, you know, oh yeah, I benched 200 yesterday. Oh, it's crazy. I benched 250. And it's like, what? Like, <laughs> Ordison's like, nobody's even like, they'll be on the side of the conversation and be like, yeah, I benched 250. And it's like, but nobody asked you. Or they'll insert things, right? That don't even have even to do with one upping. It's just like one upping the attention in the room, you know, the focus on somebody else. And you're like, hey, this crazy thing happened and I'm really awesome. Right, all stories kind of lead down that route. There's a lot of Big Boy's personality that makes me think that's very possible that he is a pathological liar because he leads so much with charisma. When you see him on camera, he's very, you're very drawn and he's an amazing speaker. He's very smooth. You can see that he knows how to make other people feel good and trust him and knows how to praise people like in front of the camera or in front of them and kind of build other people up and make himself seem sort of benevolent and selfless. And I've noticed that's what people who, um, true sociopaths that I've met in my life, have that gift where it's like, they will talk to you and make your brain tingle with excitement by making you feel special, right? That's really the power. It's not like they're convincing you how awesome they are. Of course, they'll slip up and kind of, they don't realize sometimes how this one-upping or the bragging, the subtle bragging can come across. But the main gift that sucks people in is like, they're going to make you feel really awesome. The love bombing aspect of it. Have you ever met somebody like that, Casey? Like somebody who you later found out was like a really bad person. But at first you're like, oh, this person like is so nice. I don't think so. Maybe it's me. Maybe that's why I didn't fucking know. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, yeah. And you know. I try not to talk to people in general, so. Right. Statistically pretty rare. And I'm thinking, like, if I remove these, you know, X, Y, Z people. Because if you have emotional intelligence, it's also a red flag. You know what I mean? Like, hmm, this per like, they could be very charming. But then if you know anything, you're kind of like, the moment somebody, like, one-ups you or gives you that weird, like, you know, vibe of, like, are they lying right now about something totally arbitrary and irrelevant? Yeah, we had a guy I worked with once. I mean, we called him the topper. Uh -huh. But he wasn't like, he wasn't a sociopath. He was just like, it was just a topper. Insecure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, because that's another thing. It's like you don't have to you don't have to be a sociopath to be a pathological liar. Those two, two things tend to correlate, but you can also be somebody who just feels like uh, to be valued at a friend group. You have to embellish, right? And I have a lot of sympathy for that. I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who use that embellishment or lying or exaggeration to then exploit other people, right? That crosses a major line, obviously. Now, Joey Stacks put out this video, leaving Strength Cartel, calling Big Boy out. Big Boy's response to that was to travel to this fitness convention that he knew, that he knew Joey Stacks would be at in Texas and try to fight him. Joey Stacks is much smaller. Now, he's a muscular dude, but let's say he's like, 5'6", five, 5'7", five, 170, 180 max, you know, big boy is a, think squats 800 pounds, you know, like deadlifts, like seven plates for reps. He's gigantic and like, you know, like again, has like the, the widest shoulders I've ever seen on a human potentially. Now he's, his body fat's a little higher, but like if you could strip it all off, he'd look like freakishly proportioned just how big he is. And he trains boxing, he's fast and athletic. He could do some damage to a guy who he's 100 pounds more than in a street fight. But the code of the street is you call me out, you say my name, you talk shit. We're fighting, right? So he shows up in this hotel lobby and is basically like, let's throw hands right now. And Joey Stacks is like, you're 270 pounds, probably 300. But he kept saying, you're 270. Joey Stacks takes out a knife. There's a confrontation. There's drama. People are filming it, yada, yada. He puts it online. And the title of Big, Boy visit, Big Boy's video is Exposing Joey Stacks, right? Because he wouldn't fight him in the middle of a hotel lobby. Now, I was like, oh, the comments must be roasting Big Boy for like having this angry, confrontational, like physical confrontation to somebody who's making all these accusations of empirical fact about you, right? If somebody was like, Mark, you're a pathological liar and a shitty human and you manipulate and exploit people. My response wouldn't be, I'm going to beat you up now to prove that I'm actually a good person. That's just my logic. But I guess the logic of the streets dictates it doesn't matter how big you are or whatever. If you impugn somebody's name, you get your ass beat. And because Joey Stacks backed down from that or pulled out a knife or said, I'm not going to fight you, he lost the argument. And also, these are people on Joey, or sorry, on Big Boy's page, so they're biased towards agreeing with him. But... I'd be very interested to know what you guys think of this because it just struck me as like, hmm, you know, he's calling out your entire existence and you're like, fight me. Okay. And then you're just going to be an asshole who bullies smaller people. Uh, tell me what you think because I'm confused about this. Like how, how logical do you think this street element is? Hella sick fitness page. I'm going to do this real quick. Andrew Huberman, if you haven't heard of him, check him out. I just wanted to say... Brendan was talking about being dizzy the other day after not eating all day. And I happened to go upon a video where he's talking about electrolytes, the importance of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, right? Those are the three electrolytes that regulate hydration in your body. If you don't have the proper electrolyte balance, if you have too much water, and that's why people who consume excessive water, um, and I believe this is the issue that caused Kanye West's mother's death was like excessive water in her body during surgery but that can kill you and it can also if it's off from for example drinking alcohol and actually i think the now that i think of it the name of the video was like if you're uh you know drinking how do you recover quickly from that and another interesting tidbit that i didn't know maybe you knew this was like 10 percent of the population gets a dopamine rush from alcohol 
and the rest don't. What? Yeah. How do you feel when you drink? I'm in that 10%, oh, baby. Are you? <laughs> Makes sense because, like, you you do enjoy drinking, right? Love it. Love the stuff. <laughs> love the sauce. Love somebody, yeah, love we were talking drink. about, Brian Cowan was like, oh, it's Northern Europeans. I don't, I didn't look into whether or not it's geographically specific. Just say it. Ireland. Wouldn't shock me. Just I, say I, Ireland. Okay, you're an Irish Just drunk. Just say it. But I'm also Irish. But people in my family have it, like my little brother, definitely somebody who's like gets more animated and energetic, which would correlate with a dopamine rush where I'm just like, I feel tired. You know, I drink it and it's a relaxant for me, um, as is for most people. But you do hear about these people like, oh, man, I'm feeling tired. I want to drink and it energizes me. And then I'm going to keep drinking and stay up all night. I'm like, what? I actually went to a concert last night at Hollywood Bowl. And before I went, I was like, I could have a, I'm like, I was feeling tired. Uh, I was like, I could have a cup of coffee. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll actually have a glass of wine. Yeah. And that like gets me up. Right. Okay. So you got the gene, baby. Yeah. But very interesting because I always it was always confusing to me. Like, why? Like, am I missing something here? But that makes sense. And it's enough people. It's like 10 out of 100, right? One in 10. That you're going to get that population who's kind of leading the charge. No, let's drink more. Because <laughs> you know, there's always that person at the party who's like, like, no, don't fall asleep. Yeah. Drink more. It's like, no, no, but that's going to make me fall asleep more. It's the circle of blackout. Nice. So basically what this guy is saying is electrolyte imbalance after your drinking is super important. If you feel dizzy, it's not necessarily because of food. You need electrolytes. So have that whatever the Gatorade. There's no calorie Gatorade. Or if you're really in a pinch, take a pinch of salt and put it in a glass of water and drink that salt water, then throw up and then take that throw up and then drink it again because you don't want to waste any salt. Back in the 1600s, it was a precious, precious resource. So thank your ancestors. Hella psychological. We already talked about, didn't we? Or not? Oh my God, we almost ran out of time. Basically, what I'm saying is we did not talk about it. Tom Cruise is vindicated regarding SSRIs and depression. He went viral back in aught five for talking about uh, antidepressants, uh, also ADHD medication, Ritalin and Adderall uh, to Matt Lauer on what was it, the Today Show or Good Morning America, whatever he, he was on before he installed that uh, sexual assault button in his office and got fired. Oops. It was the oops button. Oops, you're trapped in my office now. So he, you, <laughs> what was interesting is, you remember that rant, right? Uh, Tom Cruise on Matt. It's not the couch jumping one. Right. Like, it was around, around the same time probably, but he was like, I know the history of psychiatry. You don't. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was framed in a way, it was interesting to watch the full clip again because there's a part that they cut out. Um, and actually, if we could start at the three-minute mark there. I'm only asking, isn't there a possibility that do, do you examine the possibility that these things do work for some people? Riddle and an Adderall. But yes, there are abuses. And yes, maybe they've gone too far in certain areas. Maybe there are too many kids on Ritalin. Maybe electric shock. Too many kids on Ritalin. I'm just saying. But, but aren't there examples where it works? You don't even, you're glib. You don't even know what Ritalin is. If you start talking about chemical imbalance, you have to evaluate and read the research papers on how they came up with these theories, Matt. Okay? That's what I've done. Then you go and you say, where's the, where's the medical test? Where's the blood test that says how much Ritalin you're supposed to get? 
You're, it's very impressive to listen to you because clearly you've done the homework and, and you know the subject. And you should. And, 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 and you should do that also because just knowing people who are on Ritalin isn't enough. You should be a little bit more responsible in knowing. I'm not describing Ritalin, Tom, and I'm not well, asking anyone else to do well, it. I'm you are you're saying, saying no, I know some people who seem to have been helpful. I, but you're saying, but it's, uh, this is a very important issue. I, I couldn't very, agree more. And you know what? And you're you're here on the Today Show. Right. And to talk about it in a way of saying, well, isn't it okay and being reasonable about it when you don't know, and I do. I think that you should be a little bit more responsible in knowing what it is, because you you communicate to people. But you're now telling me that your experiences with the people I know, which are zero, are more important than my experiences. What do you mean by that? You're telling me what's worked for people I know, or hasn't worked for people I know, and I'm telling you, I've lived with these people, and they're better. And I think we could stop it there. That's also an important logical point because I don't think Matt Lara is hitting the nail on the head there. It would seem like it's logical to say that, but in reality what Tom is saying is that your anecdotal evidence to suggest that uh, the broader point that we should prescribe Ritalin to children is true uh, isn't valid. And then he's saying, are you saying that you know what these people... No, no, no. It doesn't matter if the people who are taking it feel that it works. He's making a broader point about Ritalin or SSRIs both have to do with uh, the theory that, you know, ADHD is caused by a dopamine deficit or a dopaminergic system deficit and depression is caused by a serotonergic uh, system deficit in some capacity, right? That theory has nothing to do, the validity of that theory has nothing to do with, well, I took Ritalin or I took SSRIs and I feel better, right? And that's essentially what Matt Lahr is saying. That whole portion didn't seem to appear when you first heard it. It was just sort of like the aggressive confrontational, you know, sound bites of Tom Cruise going, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. He seemed really hostile, really aggressive, and at the time he was really framed like, oh my God, Tom Cruise is a psycho. It just seems to make a lot of sense looking back now, and he's making some really good points, which is, um, you know, vindicated by the research that has come out, which says essentially that there's no evidence that depression is caused by a deficit in serotonin. Now, that doesn't uh, change the fact that SSRIs work or can help certain people, but they can also undermine the case for a lot of people. As we covered before, SSRIs can also interfere. There's a quote here, SSRI antidepressants evolve dopamine as well as serotonin, as well as serotonin signaling. Researchers have discovered that antidepressant drugs such as Prozac not only affect levels of the neurotransmitter serotonin in the brain, but also hijack dopamine signaling as well, causing it to launch serotonin signals. So, for example, if you're addicted to something like gambling or drugs or porn or whatever that would be part of your dopaminergic signaling and a source of enjoyment, however fleeting, if you started taking SSRIs and it hijacked those feelings, you might feel more depressed because you're like, oh, the only things that I, you know, porn was my only escape, weed was my only escape. Those things are less enjoyable now. In the gap between where you start taking them and that kicks in and you start to get new neurons, uh, which is the whole point really long-term of SSRIs, uh, there can be this space where people end up getting worse and maybe kill themselves. Not the case with psilocybin mushrooms, for example, and we've covered this before because they start uh, creating new neurons right off the bat. But science come out, said that, and also Johan Hari, I believe I've mentioned on this podcast before, also, on Joe Rogan experience and TED Talks, he talks about how the chemical hooks model, and similar to this, like chemical imbalance, the chemical imbalance in your brain model 
is sort of debunked, right? There's so much more to it. There's so much more to happiness, well-being, depression, addiction, all these things, community, purpose, you know, self-esteem. How do you get self-esteem? By doing things, by working out, by doing esteemable acts and doing things that you yourself can look at in the mirror and go, yes, I'm a good person. Yes, I can do things. Yes, I got my ass off the couch and now I feel better. And that gives me more confidence. And then I'm making more social connections and creating community. And all of a sudden, you're happy, right? It's never going to come from a pill. But we have been sold that meme based on the chemical imbalance model. Okay. Can we just look at a few? This is why we can't have any gems. Oh, yes. Here we go. Oh, I this, saw this. This dude's doing one of these things where he's like doing the deadlift and the squat at the same time and just gets wrecked by the safety bar squat, taking him down. What I like about this is you always see these and the guys only post it when it goes well. I'm glad we're showing that this is a stupid idea because these are pointless lifts except to get social media content. And also, this guy isn't muscular. He should be focusing on actually gaining muscle and doing some serious lifts in the gym, learning how to actually squat and actually deadlift because clearly uh, he's very skinny. So, I, you know, it's like proof is in the pudding. Hey, maybe before you try to safety bar squat and deadlift at the same time with a 10-pound plate around your neck on a chain – Learn to do all those things individually correctly first. Huh? Crazy concept. Next up, we got this dude. He's trying to lock out with that shoulder press overhead. And I know that feeling, right? When you're right here for some reason, overhead press more so than bench or other lifts, like that lockout can really tie up a lot of that blood <laughs> um, and make you lightheaded. And I've almost passed up, but I pride myself on knowing, hey, you're about to pass the threshold from which you cannot return from. And this stupid, you know, one rep max on overhead press in the gym, you know, that's not for any sort of competition. It's not like you're at the illustrious CrossFit Games about to win the gold. Um, just drop the weight. Maybe don't do it. You know, if you're sitting there for seven seconds trying to lock out, you're not going to get it. And also, you're going to die because you're standing, you have a weight in your hands, and you're going to hit the concrete or even the sort of hard floor of the gym and break your neck what's the next one yeah so this dude he's got like four and a half plates on there comes down and the pants split so it asks the age-old questions when you're in the gym is it more embarrassing to rip a fart or rip your pants open mm. you know what's cool if you if you rip a fart you can blame it on someone else you can't like rip your pants open and say, no, his pants ripped open. True. Those are John's ass cheeks. Mm -hmm. This guy's, he's going for, uh, he just did a clean, going for the jerk. <laughs> this is why you have to get good at knowing when the weight is. Oh, you, know what, he, you know what he does too what does that he do? I yeah. think um, makes it. Harder for him. Watch his mm -hmm. knees there. He oh, locks yeah. his knees like inward, like yeah, crazy. Yeah, what is going on there? It's I wonder like, if it's something else going on before the yeah, lift. He's but he definitely not. The yeah, shit out of his knees. Like Let's an just asshole. be honest. He's very unathletic looking, you know. Yeah. But the entire like he just gets body slammed by this weight, just absolutely clotheslined by it. Because when you're gonna jerk, you're, you you have to bend your knees and then push. Yeah. So what's going on there? Like so, he's you know, like locking him. Right. It's like, just it looks all sorts of unathletic. Push. I just I want to see the first part of it. Like, how did that clean look? How did you yeah. get it up there? If your knees are that wobbly and you're that unathletic, but I've never seen anything like that where somebody just allows themselves to be totally bent back because no party, like when you get to here, right, you're going, get this off me, right? Throw it away. 
I don't know, he also looks like a teenager. But take that to, to note that Olympic lifting is dangerous. Be good at it. Be athletic. Or stick to powerlifting like the rest of the fat nerds. Okay, you know, the caption here is this little muscular dog. He's a bit his dog benches more than you. People probably look at him and go, oh, my God, it's a dangerous little pit bull. He's so muscular. He oh, that's a Frenchie. Oh, is it Frenchie? Okay. I, I just look at I him. He looks like a muscular dog, right? Yeah, he's strong as shit. The, uh, the point being, I look at that and go, I relate to that. You know, people look at me <laughs> in the gym. They see this ugly, muscular person shaking his hair wildly and go, oh, yeah, he must be a dangerous asshole. But the truth is, I'm even more awkward than the kid in the last video, socially speaking, not athletically. Okay, let's uh, go on. Is there, that was the last link, but we do have an amazing, as I promised before, we are debuting sketches here. This is when I shot Hot Up the Presses, 24 Hour Fitness. Here we go, let's play. A lot of people have been asking me, Mark, do you have to be thick with three C's to rock in the thick boy merch dropping today? Well, the answer is you can be any shape or size as long as you're thick somewhere. Stay chubby kings, especially where it counts. Stay hard. Two and three and a four and a five. Boom, did it. Nice. So that was, uh-huh. I said nice. It was pretty good, right? Pretty really good. And um, I don't know if you got it, but like it was a dick joke. That's what I was going to ask. 